Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, we're going to talk about the game that was never really a game in Madison. Michigan State loses another road game to Wisconsin. Why? And why are we still getting frustrated even though, well, this keeps on happening to Michigan State? Also, what's next for the end of the season? And then we talk about the coaching situation over at Michigan and how it will shake things up on the football field. Let's go! You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Spartan friends, Spartan family, locked on Spartans listeners. Hope you guys are having a decent weekend so far. I know the basketball team uh, didn't you know, get this thing started all too hot. Hey, shout out to hockey, though. 3-2 win over Minnesota on Friday. Uh, we are recording before the Saturday game, so we don't know what happened there. But decent start to the weekend, I guess. But hey, before we get into the meat of the show here, please rate, review, subscribe, comment below on YouTube. Smash that five-star rating button if you're listening on the podcast. And just do whatever makes you happy on this blessed weekend. All right, let's get into the mix here. Wisconsin, 81. Michigan State, 66. In a game that Michigan State never led. Um, if, <laughs> this is this is kind of on me for thinking that, uh, that hey, good things can happen here. Vegas only has you as a two-and-a-half-point underdog? Hey, the computers like you a lot more than you've been playing so far this year. Maybe finally, maybe finally something's got to give and you actually have a statement road win. And just like I said, they they never they never led. It was a wire to wire win by Wisconsin uh, against a team that just flatly is better than Michigan State. No no mystery anymore after a second loss to the Badgers so far this season. Now when it comes to the game, what happened? How did it get to this point where we lost by 15 points? Tell you what. Not a great start for Michigan State. A uh, slow start, one of eight shooting from the field, and that included six mid-range jumpers, which you know how to win in today's basketball is by a lot of 16-footers. You know, that that's really going to be the straw that stirs the drink there. Uh, one layup attempt that was made, and then a three-pointer that did not find the bottom of the net. So that was tough for Michigan State, whereas, well, Wisconsin on the other end, uh, not just in the first few minutes, but the first half altogether, they started 5 of 10 from 3, and this even goes beyond the first half. Throughout the whole game, whenever Michigan State needed a stop, well, Wisconsin would either just score, thanks to A.J. Storr, God, he's a really good player, um, or also, hey, sometimes Michigan State did get the stop. Wisconsin did miss a shot. And then, uh uh-oh, they would grab the rebound. Wisconsin had 12 offensive rebounds. They had 17 second-chance points. So even when Michigan State bit the floor, got a stop, well, did they really? (laughs) Because Wisconsin, more times than not, they they grabbed the offensive rebound, it seemed like, and then turned it into more points. Uh, Also, you know, you got to throw this out there, too. 22 Wisconsin bench points. And that is just ejecting 
to see Wisconsin is just flatly the better team. Better constructed roster. Connor Seijan coming off the bench, lighting Michigan State up immediately. And that's a guy that Wisconsin maybe should have been comfortable with just riding into this year. But no, instead, they went ahead and got a transfer to play over him. And you tell me how that's working for them. So, yes, I know that the loyalty is all fun and games here in East Lansing. And that's a real, real good uh, check to cross off on your list of things to really consider when you're committing to Michigan State. But uh, for the rest of us, we, we, we kind of like winning here. Um, and I'll tell you what's not winning basketball. Playing both Carson Cooper and Matty Sissoko on the court at the same time. Because what's better than one offensively inept center? How about two at the same time? Uh, and okay, uh, but before we just go ahead and just start screaming our heads off about like how stupid that was, I kind of get it. Like I, I kind of understand why they did that because if you go back to last game, Malik Carr on defense against well, I mean, go ahead and pick your Wisconsin player. There was a lot of mismatches for him. It didn't really work out defensively for Cohen Carr. Okay, so you're going to sacrifice what's going to go on on the offensive end. And I know that Cohen Carr isn't some offensive juggernaut of a player. Like, he's not going to give you 12 points any given night. But still, markedly better than the other two options that you did throw out there. So what you did is that you sacrificed the offense and you said, all right, Cooper, Sissoko, they're going to get it done on defense because Cohen Carr didn't do it last time against Wisconsin. I get it. I I understand the thought behind it. But boy, howdy, when you're giving up, what was it, 44 points in the first half? You're giving up all sorts of offensive rebounds. It seems like even the defensive side of things isn't working out in that equation. So there you go. You have this weird lineup that has hardly played together this season. And look, if it works, if it worked, you look like the mad scientist that's just like in the lab cooking up something ridiculous and proving everyone why you are this Hall of Fame coach that is approaching win number 700. But if it doesn't work, and it didn't work, uh, you have a lot of people, myself included, wondering, what the hell are we doing here? (laughs) Why? How did it get to this point where we're trotting both of those players out at the same time? And I really hope that I come off as not, you know, badgering these players too much. No pun intended, by the way. Because I've tried to make this a point throughout the season. It's clear that this is not the ideal roster at the center position, right, with Monty Sissoko, Carson Cooper, and I hope it's not coming off as like I'm badgering these kids. At this point, we know who Monty Sissoko is. He has not really progressed as well as many of us thought that he would. Carson Cooper, his second year, former zero-star recruit. This is on the staff, though, to identify that going into the offseason and making sure either A, okay, you you somehow pull a, a magic trick and make sure they develop, that didn't happen, or B, Go to the transfer portal and find a mediocre center at best that could just at least carry you somewhat offensively. But here we are. Now, I will say this. After the game, Tom Izzo did remark that Mati Sissoko was a little off. Uh, There was a uh, death in his family that he found out about the night before the game. It was his grandmother, it turned out, passed away. So... Tom Izzo said that it was a little off for him. Now, the coaching staff didn't know this until after the game. So they didn't like play him out there, realized he was a little off with all this on his uh, on his plate. So, uh, but then again, it's like if if you can realize during a game that he's a little off, like this isn't like Joel Embiid necessarily. We're like, okay, you're gonna count on him for 20 points, and hey, just you know, odds are it's gonna turn out okay. Like, like we're we're just throwing this guy out there. 
that really doesn't contribute much offensively in the first place, and then you notice he's a little off in the game, and we're just going to be like, yeah, no, that's fine, just keep him out there. And what doesn't help things, especially from uh, the large social media contingent that Tom Izzo talks about, uh, Xavier Booker just gets in in garbage time and scores five points immediately. Like, that doesn't help anything going on right now as far as that discourse and dialogue goes. But anyway, I do want to point out one good performance, maybe one of the only two good performances. My, uh, Malik Hall had a decent, uh, no, I'll say good first half, kind of tapered off in the second half. But a really good game all around, and this is what we talked about with Carter Elliott, is that A.J. Hogard starting to round into form. 19 points, no turnovers. He took the game under his wing. He he, he worked his you-know-what off to try to get Michigan State back in this thing offensively, but uh, obviously didn't work. Uh, was it a perfect game on the defensive end from him? No, but it wasn't the perfect game from anyone on the defensive end. I mean, Wisconsin just absolutely blitzed Michigan State. So the other guard, Tyson Walker, not, not the greatest game from him. Uh, 11 points, 4 of 14 shooting, 1 of 2 from 3, including one that was maybe, maybe not an air ball. Could have grazed the rim. Who cares? We're not going to sit here and rail on Tyson Walker for having an off game. I will say this, and we're going to get into a lot of why we still feel frustrated and what's next in the next segment. I even have a stat that's just great about ranked road games that we'll start next segment with. But like th- this is also maybe one of the many reasons why, despite it being the eighth loss this season, why a lot of us fans still feel frustrated. We're even finding another level of anger with this team. Is that it was really depressing just kind of realizing that Tyson Walker, if he has an off night, you know, just 11 points, 4 14 shooting... It's just not happening. Like, it, like for the whole team, it's not happening. And we've seen games, too, where he has stellar games, and it still isn't enough. So, really, it's the realization that, hey, for this team to do anything of substance in March, because, once again, for the fourth straight year in a row, we're not in the Big Ten race going into February. Like, you could just throw that in the garbage bin. But now the next thing on our list is, hey, maybe a magical March run. For that to happen, it seems like everyone needs to play perfect, right? Because, hey, Tyson Walker... Off night. AJ Hogard, really good night. Malik Hall, pr- pretty decent night. Any, any, anyone, anyone else home? Anyone else going to pick up the slack here? So it, it is just dejecting to realize as we go further and further into this season and finish up these last few weeks of games that uh, it, it's got to be a perfect game by these teams to win marquee games. You can do it at home against like teams like Iowa or Minnesota, for example. But man, if we're a 10 seed, for example, and we got a 2 seed coming up next, or heck, even, the, even that seventh seed is uh, probably uh, going to be a spicy opponent for us. Yeah, it seems like Michigan State just needs to play perfect. All right, gang, we're going to talk about war, why we're frustrated here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ears off about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The NFL regular season is all wrapped up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. You heard me correct. Don't just not sweat the spread. Don't go to bed worrying about, oh my God, is my bet going to win? Guys, win or lose, if you're a first-time customer, that first bet is going to net you 150 bucks. If you're feeling spicy about our Lions, plus seven on the road at San Fran, or hey, if you like the Chiefs as a three and a half point underdog at the Ravens, go ahead and fancy a wager over at FanDuel. The app is super easy to use, and there's many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and go ahead and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. So what are you waiting for? Visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and make your first bet a layup. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so we are 12-hour ruling this one because after the game, I was very sad. I was very frustrated, probably like a lot of you were at home. And maybe not all of you, though, because perhaps you're one of the Many people that have already crossed the bridge into, I'm going to say the A word here, apathy. Maybe maybe this is all just waves on a beach to you and you're not even bothered by these losses anymore. But for some reason, whether it's mental illness or there actually is some substance here, uh, me and many other Spartans keep on finding another level of frustration with this team. And we're just going to talk through it. Why we feel like this. I have a stat that might set the table for the biggest reason why this is a little frustrating. Because we're going to start at a very zoomed out level here. The zoomed out reason why this is kind of not the greatest feeling in the world, it's just maybe the sinking realization that, yeah, this is the fourth year of this. Like we, We are drifting further and further away from national relevancy, and also, well, we're seeing other teams in the Big Ten take our seat at the table because, man, here's the stat. Since COVID happened, Michigan State on the road against ranked opponents, they are now 3-10 and 10 since COVID, okay? We're going to add some context to those three wins, too. Two of those wins, they are just in the barn that you played in. Two of those wins have come in the Kohl Center against Wisconsin. The third win... Uh, look, I don't, I don't want to say it's fraudulent, but that third win was that COVID year on the road against number six Duke, which eventually turned out to be the worst Duke team in a generation, the one that missed the tournament. So really not a, not, not really a top 25 opponent whatsoever, but still, okay. The, the, the numbers are what they say, three and 10 in ranked road games and dang it, this used to be a program that can make things happen on the road. Now here is a stat that might have you slam your head into the steering wheel if you're driving right now. So go ahead and pull over here. The two years before COVID, so Cassius Winston's last two years, Xavier Tillman's last two years, go ahead in their eight ranked road games. Guess what Michigan State's record was? In those last two years, they had eight games on the road against ranked teams. 8-0. They were 8-0. Like, we all know this. We all remember this. Unless you're a five-year-old toddler, like, then you don't remember this. But we all remember the Michigan State of the past. The team that was a dog, tenacious, always in these ranked road games. Because this is also what hurts about the Wisconsin game. It wasn't even close. It it was a wire-to-wire game for Wisconsin. But, man, when you go from 8-0 in ranked road games to now 3-ish and 10 in ranked road games... Uh, it's it, it's hard to look at this, where Michigan State has been seated last few years, and not kind of have a real conversation with yourself, no matter how diehard of a fan you are, and say, oh, this is this is trajecting in a horrible place right now, actually. This isn't good whatsoever. Now, am I asking Michigan State to go undefeated on the road in ranked road games every year? That would be ridiculous, okay? That, 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 that would be absurd. 
but somewhere just like maybe a notch below 500 isn't too much to ask. I get how hard it is to win in the conference, even if they're not ranked. We just saw it last week against Maryland. That was a very difficult game, but one that should be celebrated. But man, it's it's a program that just seems to be losing its footing. Now we're going to zoom in a little closer here. Why is this frustrating just for the season, uh, just alone right here? I think another thing that plays into uh, account is that looking back and looking into the future simultaneously, Michigan State just has one marquee win this season, and it's that Baylor win. That was, we'll call it a neutral court, uh, just for laughs, but really a home game against Baylor. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a very good game. I'm not here to discredit that win. That was important and just a lot of fun. That was a hoot and a half. Uh, That was a team that we were promised before the season. But from here on out, I mean, before the Big Ten tournament, you have one, maybe two chances for a big win. It's on the road against Purdue. You're going to be underdogs by 12 points in that game. I don't even see a reason to watch that game, quite frankly. I still will. You still will, but I, that's going to be a bloodbath. And then the next game that is going to be a big opportunity is home against Illinois. Right now, computers have you favored as three-point favorites, but how many times have we gotten on here and said that, hey, the computers like you this game, and then pff, the opposite happens. So that is what we have in the past, just one marquee win, and in the future, just a chance for one or two more. And that's what sucks about the Wisconsin game. If you won that game, that would mean something different for the tournament. We talked about this with Carter Elliott before the weekend. You beat Wisconsin. Two things as far as the tournament conversation goes. You're sliding off that bubble. And there are state fans all over the board. There are state fans that are convinced that the NIT is the only future for Michigan State. And there are some state fans on the complete opposite end that have no worries whatsoever about making the tournament. I still lean, even after the Wisconsin game, still lean that Michigan State will make the tournament right now, subject to change, because, again, this is something that Michigan State's been really good at this year. The Wisconsin road loss is a really good loss, and Michigan State's good at racking up those losses, but that would slide you off the bubble and also just the tournament seed line. And if the Big Ten tournament is something that, you know, just really uh, gets you going, um, that would have been nice for a top four seed to get that double buy. And right now Michigan State is on the outside looking in with that. So, and let's not kid ourselves, uh, maybe just the, the root of all this frustration if you want to zoom it all the way in. So, yeah, this is a former top five team going into the season, and let's not kid ourselves. Uh, yeah, during that football season, as you're going to bed every Saturday night after loss, after loss, after loss, after loss, after, hey, Indiana win, after loss, after, hey, Nebraska win. Um, you're telling yourself, hey, basketball season is going to save us, right? Eh, Ron. So now we're just going to bed saying, hey, Jonathan Smith is going to save us, right? Like that's So this is fun. We only get to uh, find happiness in the other sports off seasons uh, while the other season is just going on. So this is uh, just, it's just great for everyone involved here. Uh, all right, what's next? We're going to try to turn the corner here. Talk optimistically here. Uh, So what is next? Tuesday, 9 p.m. on Peacock. Great scheduling by the Big Ten Network uh, and the corporations and the higher powers, whatever. Against Michigan, going for Tom Izzo's 700th win on his birthday, too. Yes, it is going to be Tom Izzo's birthday on Tuesday. Michigan State favored by 11.6 points per BartTorvik.com. And I swear to God, if they lose that game, um, you'll never see another Lockdown Spartans episode ever again. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the post-game show, but I might just walk all the way to the Himalayas and become a Sherpa and never watch a sporting event ever again if they lose that one. So, uh, 
<laughs> that would be brutal. But yes, you are favored heavily against Michigan on Tuesday for Tom Izzo's 700th win. You're actually favored in the next eight games per the computers. And luckily, guys, of those eight games, five of them are home games. Now, the other three road games at Minnesota, favored by five. At Penn State, favored by six. And at Michigan, favored by four. So that's what we're looking at right here. Again, favored in the next eight. I, I imagine Michigan State will go six and two. They'll drop two road games and yeah, whoop-de-doo, it'll be a great time. And then we get out of that eight-game stretch and play Purdue. That'll go great. So yeah, that's what we have looking forward here, guys. And um, yeah, let's just get into the mailbag here because at LockdownSpartans at gmail.com, uh, we got some good... Uh, questions or just even just some rants too. If you guys just want to do that as well, uh, by, by all means, lockdownspartans at gmail.com. Kevin writes in, watching this Wisconsin game has me going insane right now. Which would you rather have? Your team never gives up an offensive rebound or your team never misses a free throw? That is a tough one here. Kevin also writes in with this team that for some reason can never seem to get to the free throw line and giving up rebounds to freaking Chucky Hepburn over two centers. I think I'd rather have the first one. Also, is it too late to fill the empty scholarship slot with the tallest Izzo member or do we have to suffer through another awful, sorry, uh, through awful center play the rest of the year? Uh, I'm ready to just throw Steven Izzo on top of Nick Sanders' uh, shoulders and call that a day. Um... Uh, no, I would rather. I'm going to go with Kevin here. I, I would rather have my other my opponents never grab an offensive rebound. And maybe this is prisoner of the moment after watching Wisconsin again grab 12 offensive rebounds and have 17 second chance points. But there's nothing more backbreaking than an offensive rebound, especially specifically after a missed free throw, which Michigan State. Just just an incredibly untimely one of those uh, in Madison on Friday night. So, yeah, I would rather the other team never grab an offensive rebound. I, I do want to elaborate on the free throws, too, because Michigan State wasn't too bad from the line. Uh, you know, they struggled to get to the line. They only had 12 free throw attempts, but they were 10 of 12 from the stripe in Madison. Now, granted, those two misses were were untimely, but then again, is there ever a timely time, a, a, a timely time to miss a free throw? Uh, now, Michigan State on the whole season, is 10th in the conference at free throw percentage. And what also doesn't help the free throw thing is that Michigan State's free throw defense is 260th in the nation, meaning that other teams make free throws at a much higher rate than a lot of other teams see. Now, free throw defense is one of my favorite stats because obviously it's nonsense. Like, you, you, can't, you can't defend the stripe, but that's just saying that Michigan State not great luck when it comes to their opponents shooting foul shots. They're shooting it at about 72.5% on the season. So, yeah, it sucks when Michigan State is missing theirs in some games, and then the other team just seems like they never, ever want to miss a free throw, which has happened a lot this year. Woohoo! Uh, Rick writes in. Rick, my guy. Love Rick. You're the best, man. Uh, clearly, there is frustration. Sissoko is a foul maker and consistently makes poor decisions on the floor. From the Wisconsin game, it was clear his own teammates are not supportive of his play. I do want to elaborate on that because that was a fascinating thing unfolding on the television is that A.J. Hogard would have whoever he was guarding at any given time on him. The Badger would catch the ball. Let's call it A.J. Store, for example. And then Sissoko would come down and double-team immediately. And then after whatever would transpire, perhaps some points or stoppage in play, A.J. would just be railing on Sissoko, being like, "What? Like no. So... I get that there were times for timely double teams, but it seemed like more times than not, like, Sissoko was just kind of ad-libbing 
his double teams and that like AJ had it the whole time and then uh, it's just so yeah that that was interesting but again we're going to go back to what we talked about the first segment headspace clearly not all the way there so i th- that's that's something that we just got to throw out there but that was interesting because it wasn't just a once or a twice thing like that kept happening throughout the game where AJ or someone else would be like, "Dude, what what are you doing here? Like, I don't it, this this is wasn't part of the game plan. I'm <laughs> just you just crashing here for a double team." Uh, Rick goes on to write, "Hogart showed some promise. He does, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of games leading up to this one, and we talked about this too with Carter Elliott. It seems like he is getting back to his old ways, but the ball isn't finding the bottom of the net, and he's had some." He's had some bad attempts. Like, he's had some attempts that don't even hit the rim or just get swatted immediately. But he's had some where it hits the rim six times and falls out. And that's just luck. Eventually, water has to find its level, and these shots have got to start falling in. And we're starting to see that uh, thanks to Friday's game. Uh, Rick also writes in, Hall was wanting to continue his leadership from the past few games, but early fouls put him on the pine. Yeah, the last eight minutes of the first half without Malik Hall, that, that, that was not fun. That's your best offensive option on the low block. And I know that Jackson Kohler is campaigning to have something to say about that, but as things stand right now, Malik's your best option down low. So, yeah, the last eight minutes with two fouls, not great. Uh, how about a rebound, writes Rick? I don't know what that is anymore. Uh, how about hitting your free throws? Hey, a chance to increase the score for the Spartans. Who's frustrated? Everyone pull it together, men. Uh, I'm just trying to pull it together myself, Rick. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's frustrating. But, again, I, hopefully this stretch of games... Treats us Spartan fans well, but here is the thing, and we talk about this all the time here when it talks about this run that Michigan State is set to go on. If you lose, like, three of these games coming up, then the tournament gets a little dicey because then you're racking up quad two, if not maybe a quad three loss in the mix, and that is something you cannot have on your resume. Michigan State is skating by no problem because their loss column is racked up with quad one losses, but... That's 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 the worrisome about the eight game stretch is that it's very low reward if you win these games. It might make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside, and we don't have to keep on doing episodes like this where we talk about how sad we are. So low reward as far as like seeding goes. I don't know how much seed lines you're gonna bump up here in the next eight games, but yeah, if you lose a few of these, then oh no, that's that's really that's that's really not gonna be good here. Uh, we're gonna end things on the football field. Terrence writes in, my question is in regard to Harbaugh finally going to the NFL and the MSU U of M rivalry. Do you think that uh, him leaving will have a huge swing back in MSU's favor for future games, especially with Jonathan Smith coming in with all new and existing offensive weapons coming in? I, I hate to boil this down to such a simple answer, but yes. like it, This offseason has swung back to MSU's favor. Now, I'm not saying that Michigan State is the top dog now and that we're going to be the team that wins by 49 points next year. But no, like just simply put, for Michigan, it, it quite literally could not get any better. Like, undefeated national champions. Okay, so th- their elevator's at the top floor. Mi- Michigan State was below the foundation of the building. Like, things almost couldn't get any worse for Michigan State, whether it's on-field play or just everything going on outside the field. Now with Jonathan Smith being hired and the offensive staff, the defensive staff, just everything going on in the offseason, the transfer portal. Okay, Michigan State's starting to level up. They're at, like, the third floor right now. We'll call it a 10-story building. Michigan, okay, they're going to lose a lot of players. I think it's, like, what, 18 starters they got to replace? Just that alone, that bumps you down a floor. And losing your head coach, okay, that keeps bumping you down. So the elevators are going to start to meet eventually here. I don't know if they're going to be on the same floor next season already, but yes, have things swung back in Michigan State's favor? Of course, just because things could not have gotten any worse. 
One thing I am very interested with for Michigan here moving forward here is that it, this sounds silly. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I'll add context here. Is that their recruiting hasn't necessarily been at a championship level. And I know that sounds so stupid because, hey, idiot, they just won a national championship. Like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? But if you look at the last three, four-year window, they have like one or two classes barely scraping by in the top 10. They have a, another around like top 15. But it's not like the Georgia classes or the Alabama classes or the Ohio State classes where they are one, two, three in the nation. That's typically what gets you to the top of college football. There's a Michigan State example for this. Hey, guys, remember 2013 to 2015 where Michigan State was on top of the world in the Big Ten and very nationally relevant? They got it done without recruiting at a championship level, but it wasn't sustainable. Now, I will say Michigan, how they're recruiting now, is still better than what Michigan State was recruiting back then in like 2015, 2016. But still, this is an example of can you sustain it? Because Michigan got very fortunate that they had it all work out perfectly for them. Stars aligned. Like, they had a lot of players that used every year of their eligibility and experience and developed great, and that's how they rode off into the sunset this year. That's hard to do in college football. That's very hard to repeat, and can you do it with classes that are just eh, hovering around the 10 spot? So I know that there's a sizable gap between where Michigan State and Michigan is recruiting-wise, but I, I, I do wonder how big that gap truly is between, like, the 10th best class and the 30th class, and then also Jonathan Smith's staff... That can actually develop players, unlike the last staff we just saw in here. So, yeah, it's a a little bit of looking inward and outward for why there could be reason for optimism here. But, yes, um, again, I'll I'll say it again. I I hate to boil it down to something so simple, but can't get better for Michigan. Can't get worse for Michigan State. And there is reason to believe, just looking at ourselves this offseason, of a great coaching hire, a solid coaching staff, great transfer portal activity, decent recruiting to think that things are going well for Michigan State. Now, Terrence did also ask another question here. This is more trivia here. Also, is this the first time we've had two first-year coaches facing off against each other in this rivalry? Of course, Sharon Moore, he was uh, bumped up to head coach not too long ago, and, well, you guys may have heard, Jonathan Smith was hired this offseason. This is not the first time that two first-year head coaches are going to be facing off in this Paul Bunyan rivalry. you got to scale the clock back to 1995. Lloyd Carr versus Nick Saban. Michigan State won 28-25 at Spartan Stadium. So if, if you like good historical trends, I know that's a one-game sample size, but yeah, we'll take it. So there you go. Uh, gang, cannot thank you all enough for watching, listening, burning up some of your weekend with us here. If you're a Lions fan like me, hey, enjoy Sunday. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> is what I'll tell myself. I'm going to try to have a upbeat, optimistic point of view and say, hey, even if we lose, it's still been a fun season, but I know full well when 6 o'clock hits tomorrow, I will be throwing up in a bucket. Uh, And hopefully uh, you guys handle it a little better than I do. But hey, gang, until next time, we will be back Monday. Greg Waddell of Sleepers Media. We're going to talk this Michigan-Michigan State game on Tuesday. But until then, hey, love you all. Take care of yourselves. Go Green.